But now let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer again as we prepare to hear His Word. Lord, we are grateful that you care so deeply about us. As we have heard this morning, it is wonderful that your gospel, that the good news of Jesus Christ has gone and is going around the world and that there are, well, millions and also one by one people whose lives have been transformed, whose eternities have been changed, whose every day is different because you have worked, because you have worked. And Lord, we are grateful for the opportunities you give you give us to help make this world better, to bring things more in line with how you designed this world to be. And Father, we are grateful that you meet us here every week, that you come to us and that you bring us here to hear from you, to be encouraged, to be renewed, to be guided, to be comforted. Lord, we ask that however we come today, whatever we need to hear from you, help us to hear it clearly from your word and through your spirit. Amen. So today we come to Joshua chapter 5 in our Joshua series, and this is a, a story that we don't really talk a whole lot about. It happens between the crossing of the Jordan and the destruction of Jericho, and it's, again, it's not a text we pay that much attention to, but there is a lot of good news here. So we're going to spend this morning reflecting on it before we partake of the Lord's Supper together. So we're going to read Joshua 5 verses 1 to verse 12. Hear now the word of the Lord for us today. Now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until we had crossed over, their hearts melted and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gabiah Haraloth. Now this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the desert on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the desert during the journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites had moved about in the desert 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they left Egypt had died since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them they would not see the land he had solemnly promised their fathers to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So he raised up their sons in their place, and these were the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in the camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate of the produce of Canaan. This is the word of the Lord. we're going to start by reflecting on how in this text the Lord introduces a DTR moment. We need to have a DTR. We need to have a DTR. And I'll explain what that means in a minute, but if you know what that means, you know that it's not generally happy, happy words. 
There was a particular semester I had in college where due to a combination of circumstances, I ended up not rooming with my regular roommates but with a group of other guys. And it was the semester of relational dysfunction. There were just everybody had things going on. I'm going to tell you about one couple, but all the couples had really interesting things. And, and we're going to call this couple Justin and Jessica. It's not their names. If that's your name, I apologize. I had to pick some names for them. But Justin and Jessica had a really up and down relationship. And let me give you just some of the steps along the way in the course of one semester. Justin and Jessica are dating. Justin and Jessica are engaged. Justin no longer wants to be engaged, but Jessica does. Justin and Jessica do not want to be engaged. Justin wants to be engaged. Jessica does not. Justin and Jessica are not engaged to each other, but they're still telling everybody else they're engaged. And it just went on and on. And every time there was a change in relationship status, it would start with this line from one of them said rather loudly in our suite, we need to have a DTR. And the rest of us went, oh, no, not again, because that signaled a week of yelling and back and forth and just all kinds of trouble. You see, DTR stands for define the relationship. We need to define the relationship. And usually you have that kind of conversation when things aren't going so well, when there's some issues that have been bubbling and you haven't gotten around to where things are not in a great place. Things haven't been great. Let's define the relationship. Now, there's, there's a number of ways that what we see here in Joshua 5 is actually a good DTR moment, but it's a DTR moment, and it comes at a really strange spot. I think there's some reasons we often skip over this when we come to the book of Joshua, because it's, it's a little bit of a hard text, but, but I think it's really important for us to pay attention to what the Lord is doing with and for his people here. Now, this text starts with a relationship problem. All the way back in Abraham's days, so we're talking early, mid-Genesis at this point, the first book of the Bible, all the way back then, the Lord comes to Abraham and he gives him a sign of the covenant. He gives him circumcision as a sign that Abraham and his descendants belong to the Lord. This is a little bit like an engagement ring or a wedding ring, that this is a sign for God's people that they belong to him. But now we come to Joshua 5, and did you pick up that there's a whole generation, or maybe even a couple generations, who haven't been circumcised? Somehow they are putting off the symbol that they belong to the Lord. And it raises a question at this point that, that for us maybe doesn't just jump to the front, but for the original readers of this, this story, they would have been like, whoa, wait, what's going on there? What's, what's wrong in the relationship between the Lord and his people that they've lost this covenant sign? There's a relational distance, a, a gap here. And this text comes at the funniest place for, for a gap. If you remember back a few weeks at Joshua 1, we talked about how the Lord comes to his people and renews their relationship. And then in Joshua 2, we see how, how the people are afraid in Canaan and the Lord's people will surely conquer them. And then as we saw last week in Joshua 3 and 4, the Lord parts the Jordan River miraculously and the people enter the promised land in this procession of power and triumph. And now we come to Joshua 5 and the natural thing to have happen at this point would be let's march on Jericho. Let's keep this party going. We are here to conquer. And instead the Lord says, whoa, 
whoa, we're not doing that yet. We're stopping here, and we're having, we're having a DTR. There's this, there's this relational challenge that we need to deal with at this point. And so stepping up to today, I, I want to ask you to reflect on, on how often you experience relational distance with the Lord. As we enter a culture that is increasingly post-Christian, as our, our lives get dominated by, by all the things we have going on and as life seems to speed up and up and up, I think it becomes easier and easier for us as believers to feel like we aren't quite connected. To be running here and running there, and even for those of us who make space still on Sunday morning and maybe even Sunday evening to gather, for those of us who try to pay attention to the Lord week after week in our lives or who wish we could, even if we know we don't, it's so easy for us to feel that relational gap. And what do we do with that? What do we do with that? And the answer is really not what do we do with that, but, but what does the Lord do with that? And what the Lord does is he renews the relationship. The people have crossed the Jordan, and now the Lord has said, stop, we need to work on our relationship before we go and conquer the land. And as you probably know, most of the time, a define the relationship talk is not a positive thing. Usually it comes from a place of distance and trouble and, and often anger and angst. But here the Lord initiates this conversation out of his grace and his kindness. He calls the people together, and, and probably about the best metaphor we have for what's going on there is a marriage proposal. He says, come on, let's, let's get together, and let's, let's affirm that we are going to be together. God doesn't come, and there, there is an element where he's honest, that you, you, know, you didn't do this, you didn't do that, there was all this trouble in the past, but it doesn't seem like God is lowering the boom of judgment. He's just saying, look, this is where we've been, but now let's go somewhere better. Let's renew this relationship. Here's the engagement ring again. The Lord is again rebooting his relationship with his people. He's, he's renewing them again. And as we can see, there's this there's this line in there that's especially significant that we aren't quite sure what it means, but, but the Lord says, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Today I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And, and maybe he's saying, finally we've gotten to the promised land after your time in slavery. Or, or maybe he's saying, well, you've been wandering in the wilderness. All the other nations have been making fun of you because you just can't make it to Canaan. It's taken you 40 years. We aren't quite sure what's going on there, but we know the key message. And the key message is that the Lord has said, I have made you clean. You belong to me. And as he looks at these people who are perpetually disobedient, perpetually sinful, he looks past that and he says, you are my beloved. We belong together. I have come again, and I've said this is a relationship that is going to endure forever. That is what the Lord does for his people here in Joshua 5. He comes with his grace and with his kindness. And brothers and sisters, family of God, that is how God comes to us when we have that relational gap also. He does not come to us angry and threatening. 
He comes to us with his grace and with his kindness, and he says, you belong to me. This is a relationship that will endure, not because of you, but because of my faithfulness. We celebrated a baptism here last week, and baptism is the new sign of circumcision. It is what the Old Testament had in circumcision, now we have in baptism. It is a sign that we belong to the Lord. It is a sign that he has claimed us, that he has put his mark on us, that he has brought us from one relationship status into another, and now we belong to him. And so if you, if you feel that relational gap these days, if you feel like you just, you just aren't connected to the Lord, or you feel like maybe, yeah, I know I need to get there, but it's just too much work, and I tried, and I just can't keep up with my Bible reading plan or my prayer or my service or anything. Remember the sign of the Lord. Remember baptism. Remember how it has marked us as God's people. And so even if we feel so far away from God, God is always coming to us. He is a God who is always overcoming the distance between his people and himself and doing so with grace and with kindness. The Lord comes to you, and if you are here today, he says, you belong to me. He is all in on us. Let's be all in on him. And then in this text, after the Lord renews the relationship, the Lord celebrates the relationship. And this is our last point for today. The Lord celebrates the relationship he has with his people. He doesn't just want to get us over the line and say, well, you're past the line, it's all good. But, but he wants to celebrate his connection with us over and over and over again. And again, I want you to notice how weird the timing of the placement of this text is. And the Bible is, is a divinely inspired book. Everything that happens in there and the order it happens in is really significant. And I want you to notice when this text happens. So again, we've seen that the Lord has brought his people through the Jordan. He has done a miraculous thing over nature to, to create dry ground where instead there was a flood. And he's brought his people through. And then if we look at the next chapter, and we look ahead to where we'll get in a couple weeks, the Lord miraculously knocks down a city so that his people can enter the promised land. Not only does he conquer nature for his people, he conquers the forces of evil for his people. And what happens here in the middle of those two miracles? What happens in the middle of those two miracles is that the Lord celebrates the relationship he has with his people. The God is not just creating a people to serve him, he is creating a family who he cares for and who he invites into a deeper relationship with him. For 40 years, the Lord had been providing manna in the desert for God's people. And, and manna in Hebrew literally is, what is it? God has been providing this, this thing for the people, this thing that's enough to get them through. But now he brings them into the promised land and they stop and they collect some of the food of the promised land and finally they have a feast. Finally, they celebrate the Passover. Finally, the Lord says to them, we have arrived and we belong together and let's celebrate. And for us, it is tremendously important that we do the same thing. The Lord is always coming to us. He is always coming to us with his grace and his kindness and he is always inviting us to receive it once again. 
The Lord works in each of us individually. And maybe, maybe you haven't sensed that lately. Maybe you're in a dry spiritual time. And, and maybe what this text can tell you is that there is hope. That the Lord will bring you through and the Lord will celebrate his relationship with you and draw you into that more and more in the days ahead. The Lord does that for us individually. But the Lord also does that for us communally. Every time we come here, every week when we gather on Sunday morning, we are reenacting Joshua 5. Every single week. Every single week we have had a week where, where we develop these gaps, where we get distracted, where we sin, where we turn away from the Lord. And, and every single week the Lord gathers us back together and says, no, but really, no, but really, and I know what you did last week, and in fact, I know what you're going to do next week, but really, you belong to me. You belong to me. You belong to me. And this is a message that we need to hear every week. And so the Lord repeats himself over and over and over again. Every week when we gather, the Lord is again declaring his love for us, declaring that he is closing that gap between us and him and, and declaring that he loves us and that our relationship is worth celebrating. We see this in baptism. We see it also in the Lord's Supper, which we'll celebrate in just a few minutes. And the Lord's Supper is it's a wedding feast. It's a reception dinner. It is a time where we celebrate a relationship that has been formed. And so when the Lord invites us to participate in the Lord's Supper, what he is inviting us to is, is to celebrate and to proclaim that he has claimed us, that we belong to him, that we are his family. And so we gather at his dinner table week after week, year after year. Now, after that semester in college, I totally lost touch with Justin and Jessica, and I have no idea how their relationship ended up. I would guess that based on the patterns I saw, there were a whole lot more DTRs and then a breakup. And so often, that's how our human relationships go. They fail, they falter, they fall apart, we scatter. Life does not go how we expect. And often, that is beyond our control. But there is nothing beyond the control of the Lord. And the Lord assures us that he will never let go of us, his people. He gives us these signs, the sign of baptism, the sign of the Lord's Supper, to, to show us, to remind us, to enact the reality that we belong to him because of the work of Jesus Christ for us. So I invite you today to remember, to renew and to celebrate the grace and kindness of the Lord for you. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning with all our distractions, with all our sins, with all our troubles. And we want to say thank you. We want to say thank you for all the ways that you have worked in this church and in our lives for all the ways that you have worked in your church over the centuries and around the world. And Father, we ask you to work here today. Father, we desperately need you. We are a people who are always wandering. We ask that you bring us home. 
And Father, today as we, as we meditate on your word, as we receive your supper, help us to be transformed. Give us what we need today to draw closer to you. And we pray all this in your name. Amen.